The National Desk, Conversations, America's News Now. I'm Jean Jeffcoat, and welcome to episode 33 of the National Desk Conversations. Every weekday, we invite newsmakers onto our morning television broadcast to discuss topics everybody's talking about on today's podcast. It's all about inflation. We will revisit our conversation with economist Scott Lincecum, but first, addressing that pain at the pump with Robert Sinclair Jr. from AAA. As Russia continues to invade Ukraine, President Joe Biden announced a ban on Russian oil imports and other energy products. But what impact will that have for Americans around the country at the gas pump? Robert Sinclair Jr. is a spokesman for AAA Northeast. He joins us this morning. Welcome to the National Desk. Thank you for having me. President Biden was facing growing pressure from both sides, as we know, of the political aisle to issue this ban on Russian oil imports. What should Americans be prepared to see at the gas pump with this new ban in place? Because we imported just 10%, right, from Russia. Yes, a very small portion of our imported oil was from Russia. So uh, the fact that it's actually been cut off now, don't think will make a major difference in having oil available to turn into gasoline. Um, it's it, it probably already priced in because we actually saw the price of crude oil fall from yesterday today after the uh, embargo has been imposed. So it could be profit-taking on the part of those who have been investing in crude oil. Uh, it could be that uh, the, uh, the loss of this Russian crude has already been into the market. And, and as we know, prices were already uh, on the rise. There was already a steady increase in anticipation uh, of some of these sanctions on, on Russia's energy industry and also just on our own policies here in America. At the moment right now, gas averaging $4.25 a gallon, an $0.08 increase from just yesterday. Robert, what's going to lower costs at the gas pump right now? How long should we expect to see these, these high gas prices? Well, well, stopping the war would uh, lead to the cessation of the instability that oil market traders do not like. Um, a lot of uh, oil price increases that we saw prior to the invasion were speculative bid-up. Uh, we've seen this before when the terrorist group threatened to mine the Straits of Hormuz, through which 60% of the world's oils transit. Nothing had actually happened to affect supply. Just the worry that something might happen beats the things going up. As far as what might be able to be done now, it's, it's hard to say, other than stopping the war, because we're getting ready to switch over to summer blends of gasoline, which are more expensive to refine and distribute. That starts on the West Coast uh, mid-March, mid this month, and uh, rolls west, sorry, rolls east from the west like a wave uh, to the point where the Northeast has to have made that switch by mid-April. And those blends are more expensive to refine and distribute. And then as the weather warms, where people want to get out and do things, take off the COVID doldrums, get in their cars and take a trip, that leads to demand going up and price going up. Prices usually moderate or flatten out, let's say, peak during the summer, sometime in June, July, August. It might be the case this year as well. So uh, we might be looking at high prices, maybe not increasing prices, but at least high prices until then. You've been with AAA for more than 20 years, Robert. How troubling is this to see the dramatic rise so quickly? And what is your prediction as to how high it could go? You mentioned that summer blend. How high are we talking? 
Well, I, it's it's very distressing because back in March of 2018, we did a survey. We asked drivers what would be the pain point for the price of gasoline. 40% in March of 2018 during a good economy said $3 a gallon. We've blown through three. We've blown through four. Today's price is a record-setting price, the highest ever. So I'd worry that there's a significant amount of the population that is really suffering as a result of these high gasoline prices. They do, do not have the elasticity in the family budget to deal with fluctuating gasoline prices as we are seeing. It is impossible to say how high these prices will go. The gasoline market, the oil market is a very fickle one. There are ongoing talks, peace talks between Russia and Ukraine. If they were suddenly to come to fruition and the shelling was to stop, we could see an immediate change as far as oil prices and gasoline prices are concerned. But how high is high? It's really impossible. Robert, very quickly, if we were energy independent, where would we see gas prices right now? Would we even see an impact with what's going on with the rest of the world? Well, we produce a lot of crude oil. We're number one or number two in the world in terms of production of crude oil on a daily basis. Um, but the, the limiting thing is refinery capacity. I remember a couple summers ago during the height of the, uh, the summer driving season, refineries are working at 98, 99% to keep up with demand. So all the oil in the world cannot be processed into gasoline without sufficient refinery capacity. On top of that, we lack truck drivers to drive the truck that take the tanks to the gas stations, fill up those tanks, and we're anticipating that some stations might have a, a problem staying fully wet, meaning all their tanks are full and all their pumps are operating. So refinery capacity is limiting capacity no matter how much crude oil they might have. All great points. Robert Sinclair, Jr., we appreciate you joining us this morning. Just a wealth of information there for us. Have a great day. Thanks for having me. Thank you. You're listening to our weekly podcast, The National Desk Conversations, featuring newsmaker interviews from The National Desk, America's News Now. Next on episode 33 of our podcast, economist Scott Lincecum. As the cost of oil, natural gas, and agriculture are on the rise, President Biden denouncing what he called now an invasion of Ukraine by Russia and joining other countries in imposing penalties against Russia. The moves designed to hurt Russia's economy, but economists are watching the effects that we could feel right here in the United States. Joining us now is the Director of General Economics and Trade at the Cato Institute, Scott Lincecum. Good morning, Scott. Morning. So oil prices nearing $100 a barrel, uh, the Brent uh, average closing yesterday at 96.84. If Russia keeps moving into Ukraine and the global community responds with even more sanctions, what are we to expect here at home and even around the world? Yeah, I mean, it's good news, bad news here. The, the bad news is, I think, pretty obvious. Oil and gas and energy prices are going to remain high, and they could climb even more if Russian oil and gas... Um, are fully targeted by sanctions. Right now, they're nibbling around the edges, but if they're fully targeted, you would expect um, even higher oil prices. Now, the good news, though, is, look, this isn't 1980 anymore. Uh, the U.S. economy isn't as linked to oil prices as it used to be, so we can probably withstand $100 uh, oil. There won't be a guaranteed recession like in the olden days. And quite frankly, $100 oil isn't even what it's used to be, given uh, you know general increase in prices. Um, 
and the other good news is that high prices are already encouraging more American production. You know, the United States is one of the largest oil producers in the world, and these high prices are drawing frackers and others back into the market. And that's great news as long as, you know, of course, policymakers uh, will let it. Um, and then globally, uh, the big question is OPEC. Um, if they respond um, with uh, boosting supplies, then that'll put some temper, that'll temper oil prices. And they could very well do that, especially because they see their competitors in America uh, going back at it. Now, we may be able to withstand it, but nobody wants to see higher prices at the pump. Uh, in fact, many U.S. consumers are already lacking trust in our economy. Uh, according to the conference board, consumer confidence has fallen by a little more than half a point in January. Uh, you know, it's a smaller decline than, than perhaps we've seen in the past uh, and promising to some economists, but inflation uh, is still a major concern for Americans. So what do you make of this latest report and how do we boost consumer confidence? Yeah, it's kind of like real estate, but here it's inflation, 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 right? Um, you know, uh, that's a big deal for American consumers, and it's especially a big deal for workers if their wages uh, can't cover any new costs, because wages have gone up, but for a lot of workers, they're not covering these price increases. And, you know, this at the same time, I think the other thing going on here is they're still seeing some supply-side constraints, supply chain issues, and look, if your store shelves are empty or you can't get the goods you need to make a big sale, um, you're all also going to have less confidence in the economy and you know the this is a stark reminder i think a lot of economists forgot that these cost side these supply side issues really really matter um and what can i think you know what will get confidence back on track is to see some of these startling price increases temper a bit especially in everyday items that we think prices we see every day like food now we don't expect that for gas again given the russia situation but on the food and other necessities side um it would be great to see those temper out a little bit and get consumers feeling a little better about things. Well, let's talk about uh, trying to correct inflation. Uh, you know, the Fed expected to uh, introduce some rate hikes over the next few months. Some economists saying as many as nine uh, rate hikes at, at, in the year uh, to combat inflation. Your thoughts on this and not only how it impacts the market, which we've already seen some of that, but also the average American who just wants to make ends meet. As we as we talked about here a few times, you know, the big risk with all this inflation is that the Fed has to act quickly and that rate hikes and other tightening will eventually cause a recession as easy money dries up for businesses and investors. Um, now, we're not there yet, of course, um, but the markets, like you said, are already priced in these rate hikes and they've already priced in a cooling of the economy. Um, if stocks tank, you know, that's that's obviously going to be bad for investors and retirement accounts. But I know, look, we're not at crisis yet, right? The S&P yesterday closed at about levels that were August 2021. So we're not talking about a crash just yet. But for real Americans, let's face it, that if we do have a, a, a minor recession or even a major economic slowdown, um, that's a big risk for jobs and unemployment. Uh, labor market is red hot, but if it cools too much, then you know that that's a big issue. The other big risk is that it deflates asset prices, which have been boosting a lot of uh, incomes and stability for older Americans and reti retirees. Yeah. It seems like uh, just a lot of unknowns, especially with the situation now in Russia and Ukraine. So that means we're going to see you again soon. So you can keep explaining this to us. Uh, Scott Lindsacum, thanks for joining us this morning. My pleasure. Thanks. That's episode 33 of the National Desk Conversations, all about inflation. Join me each weekday morning from 6 to 11 Eastern for the National Desk, America's News Now. Check your local listings or you can stream it on our website, thenationaldesk.com. Our podcast comes out twice a week with fresh newsmaker interviews. The conversation continues. Until next time, from the National Desk, I'm Jan Jeffcoat.